of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast, available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode this story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotel's family of 22 brands has over 7,400 locations and the perfect hotel for any traveler you want to be. Like a Cambria Hotel, serving up locally inspired craft cocktails for all my folks who maybe want to meet up and talk about Mad Royals. Check into a Radisson Hotel with flexible workspaces for you strivers who listen during business travel. Or a Comfort Hotel with free hot breakfast, family-friendly pools, and big spacious rooms for the parents who listen with their kids and need a little retreat. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and happy Friday. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy V. Wilson. Oh, and it's a new year, so I wanted to talk about day planners and all that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When you sent me this outline, I was like, what a great New Year's Day episode topic. It was just fortuitous, really. Um, Because as you know, I've talked about it so many times. I love love a fresh year. I love Mm -hmm. starting out my planner. I love the idea of just like starting fresh and going forth with new hope for the year ahead and it may or may not pay off but uh that's how we do it um it also just is like a moment i tend to be really like a, a messy you know i have hands in so many pies that it's like i can have a, a moment to freshly reorganize my life which i appreciate you had mentioned during the show and before we started recording um the farmer's almanac yeah which I didn't talk about in the episode almost because it's so kind of uh, prominent and still goes on. That started in 1818 in Lewiston, Maine, and it still is put out every year. Um, Obviously, it's changed, as all of the others have, to become uh, an all-encompassing reference and delight kind of project. Yeah, I just felt, I was like, I think that's probably the one people in the U.S. at least, probably have seen around on bookstore shelves. And I feel like maybe an elementary school 
it was one of the things that we would use to look up very, very basic facts in the library. Oh. Um, I don't recall doing the same, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, discussions of whether the weather predictions for the year (laughs) Right, were in any way accurate. accurate. Yeah. I... Really, really, we we talked a little bit about the book The Accidental Diarist by Molly McCarthy, and I, I, there were some interesting facts in it that I really loved. One was just a, a way that she described that book that Aitkins put out, which was the first planner in the U.S. that people were like, mm, no, thank you. Um, and she had this great turn of phrase where she said it, quote, ask users to account for themselves as they accounted for their money. And I'm like, oh, that's why nobody wanted to use it. <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, that whole thing to me is very interesting because the one thing we didn't get into in the episode that I wonder about is, like, if that was brought over as something that was very popular in Britain already, if that was part of why it was rejected. It's like, we don't oh, yeah. we don't need their ways. Thank you. We're in the middle of trying to get away from those guys. Yeah. Um, which is pretty interesting. Uh, we also talked about Dodsley's book in the UK. He was actually printing that because it got around some of the publishing rules for almanacs because not everyone was allowed to print almanacs. Um. And Dodsley was like, well, I'm going to make it blank pages, and there's just some of that almanac stuff in here, but it's Mm -hmm. not an almanac, and that's kind of how he got around it. And a lot of people did that for a long time, but it's really, really interesting. Uh, The other thing that happened uh, that, that got mentioned in her book and I read about in some other places, but I didn't put it in the episode because it gets more into, like, an interesting sociological discussion, but it's not really, like, something you can find historical fact on is that people or you can find historical fact but it's hard to like parse them into a mm-hmm. a reasonable statement about reality is that people don't use these things always the way they're intended right like some people will buy a calendar and then they just use it like it's a blank sheet of paper or they will use a calendar for multiple years because they're using it in a different way mm-hmm. than how the the prompts of it are laid out um and at that point right it just becomes its own thing there's the variability that's possible when you offer someone a largely blank book and say use it how you need it is like it can be anything at that yeah. point, uh, which I find kind of interesting. Uh, I mentioned in the episode that we were going to talk about the fact that I had found mentions of other planners that came up in other languages, but I couldn't track them down. And I, I found, I really, really tried. I found a mention on a site that admittedly is like a company's website that makes sure. day planners. Yeah. That was saying that it actually was an Italian invention in the 1650s, which would have been after we see some of these ones popping up. But I couldn't, there was nothing attached to that claim in terms of like who or uh, where. I think they mentioned that it was in Bergamo. Um, but it's not more specific than that. So it was a little bit tricky to... <laughs> To pin down. Uh, I mean, I I think that as global society became more complex, as various, you know, industries started to form and and things got 
less agrarian and more metropolitan in some places, it's only natural that something to, like, organize things was going to come up. So I think it's entirely possible that things were concurrently developing sure. around the world. Um, are you a planner person? No. It's, I. There are a number of things in my life that I have established as a habit and then maintained that habit for years. Uh, and I've never successfully done that with planners or diaries. Uh, and I have just come to accept this about myself um, like even I'm I'm not in a write every day habit right now, but like even when I have been in a write every day habit, like for some reason, writing it in a diary has never it's been something I could stick with. Uh, and there have been a couple of times when I've like had really good intentions with a planner, and it has never worked out. There was uh, also one time before my husband and I were married, but while we were living together, and I was traveling a lot for work, and he had various, like, weekend-type commitments that he had, and I was like, we should make, we should have, like, a physical shared calendar that we can keep up with all of this stuff on. Um, And that (laughs) lasted maybe a couple of months And then we just had this calendar that was turned to the wrong month and never updated with our stuff on it. Uh, It just, I don't know. No, we, I know know this exact dance. Because I'm not always, sometimes that thing gets me through the whole year and other times it's like, I, I get so busy that I almost can't take the time to write stuff down. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, I abandoned that for the entire month of June or whatever. And then I'm like, well. Yeah. And so I'll restart throughout the year. Um, But then there are other years where I'm like on it, like a bonnet. I'm like, I got it. It's organizing my life, et cetera. We also had the shared couples calendar that went astray. Mm-hmm. Um, And even now we have a shared online calendar that's supposed to note travel specifically, just travel, nothing else. Mm-hmm. But I am awful at updating it. So, like, poor Brian will occasionally be like, what do you mean you're going to New York next week? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I just did. Yeah. He's like, it's not in the calendar. And I'm like, I didn't put it in the calendar. I yeah. forgot. I thought I told you. I told you in my heart, but not with my mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I figure, uh, you know, again, a new start always makes me happy. So I'm always ready to start a new calendar. Um, And it's also partially because, like, I mean, I'm definitely a stationary dork, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, when you can design a calendar, when you can ma- do the, there are companies that let you select your cover and your style of layout and your, what kind of grid you have. And it's, oh, I love it. So it's like eating cupcakes. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> love it so much um, that I also buy all of the accessories and those are what really fall to the wayside where it's like you're not you're not really going to use this right habit tracker but you have it in case you get a wild hair again down the road Um, yeah I'm I'm a sucker I'm a sucker you put a an astromech droid on it and I will buy it (laughs) that's what I can tell you Um, yeah my current one has a scene from Return of the Jedi on it, done in watercolor. I'm very excited. 2024, please be good to me. I'm going to do my best to make this planner a successful Mm -hmm. (laughs) and functional item in my life. (laughs) 
ever present, ever present. Um, yeah, I think, you know, everybody struggles with how they work. I I think there's an all or nothing that becomes part of the problem, right? Sure. Where it's like, oh, I screwed up for two months, so I guess I'm not using this. And it's like, you can go back if you want. There's there's no plan or jail. You're fine. You can do whatever. Whatever helps you is the right way to use it. Mm-hmm. It's always my thing. Anyway, I could go on about calendars and planners for a long time, but I won't. I've done it enough. So we talked about the Great English Sparrow War uh, <laughs> this week. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I have not made like ornithologists and bird watchers and etc. annoyed by using the words English sparrow in the episode title. Um, I did that because the sparrow war means multiple different things. Right. Uh, And I did not want people to think they were going to be clicking into something that was going to be about, like, Chairman Mao's for pests campaign or something like that. At the time, people were referring to it as the Great English Sparrow War or the English Sparrow War. They They called them English sparrows a lot. So... Uh, that is why I titled it that way, both for clarity and to reflect um, how people were talking about it at the time, while also giving the birds, you know, current, right, uh, current uh, scientific and common name. A thing that is interesting to me about this is that here in the United States, I think people, a lot of people, have a visceral hatred for three kinds of birds. Okay. One or more of them. Okay. Sparrows, specifically house sparrows, starlings, and pigeons. All three of those birds are here in the numbers they are because of, like, intentional decisions made by human beings. Right. I will confess, I didn't know people felt this way about sparrows or starlings. I have heard more starling hatred than sparrow hatred, I think. (laughs) I must be in my, like, weird bird lady hippie bubble where nobody's bothering me with this information. (laughs) Uh, So while I was working on this, I had this Zoom call with Rosemary Mosco. We sort of had dinner over Zoom, and one of the things that we were talking about is that today there are people who really hate sparrows. They hate them so much. And one of the big reasons is because of their taking over the bluebird nests and sometimes killing the bluebirds and especially killing baby bluebirds, and especially if somebody put up a bluebird house in their yard and they see this happen, a lot of times they'll be outraged and, like, want to get rid of the sparrows or get some kind of sparrow control going on. But again, there there are other birds, including native birds, that do the same thing, and also snakes and raccoons and bats and, like, all of these other animals also prey on birds and their young um, it is not something that is unique to sparrows at all. Another part of that Zoom conversation was about how uh, cows and brewer, neither of them was right, really, because... <laughs> they were just mad. <laughs> yeah, cows was like, these birds are the worst, and uh, and we should kill them all. And brewer was like, no, they're not. And even if it does turn out they're bad, uh, they, there won't be that many of them, so it'll it'll be fine. Like, neither of those was correct. Uh, and when there has been, 
researched more recently into like, okay, what is the actual impact of house sparrows eating grain? Uh, it's been kind of like not clear that there is an obvious, like clear correlation. Right. Um, so yes, sparrows, starling and starlings and, and pigeons all uh, like introduced intentionally for reasons. Uh, and now we have a lot of them and people get really angry. And uh, I think uh, <laughs> pigeons in part because they're all over cities and they <laughs> they poop on statues and whatnot. Yes. I love pigeons, though. They're so pretty. Yeah, there was the um, a plaza right by our hotel in yeah. Barcelona that was so full of pigeons. Um, I and I would take pigeon pictures and send them to <laughs> Rosemary and be like, look at all these pigeons. Yeah, they seem okay with those pigeons. I mean, yeah. they have people out there selling little bags of seeds so you can hold your arm out and the pigeons will come and land on you. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you witnessed any of those. I saw somebody try to feed, or I guess really Patrick saw this. I did not see what was happening. I just saw the birds suddenly get very excited. Um, And I guess somebody had fed a bird something. And of course, then the rest of the pigeons were like, oh, me too. And the person was not expecting this to happen, it seemed. <laughs> like that was Patrick's read on what was going on. We also didn't really get into it, but like there were ongoing efforts to eradicate or at least control the sparrows. Um, and in 1910, the USDA published a pamphlet that was titled How to Destroy English Sparrows, yeah. uh, which described them as cunning, destructive, and filthy and had all kinds of tips to like uh, like, discourage them from nesting for long enough that they would finally abandon the nest site and then also, like, to to kill them, which is, I don't know, it did not really work. There have been some introduced animal eradication efforts we have talked about on the show before, which I think have been uh, su- successful, like uh, eradicating goats from some of the Galapagos Islands. Right. Uh, but that's a little, like, a... A, a bird can just fly to another island. Right. Um, goats, not so much. Going through this whole episode, the bird and science issues aside, I'm like, this isn't really a feud about birds. This is two guys who want to be the most one in ornithology having mm-hmm. ego battles with each yeah. other. <laughs> and I don't... Here's the thing. I have certainly had those things in my life about which I am almost irrationally angry and will dig in on. Mm-hmm. But it is simultaneously hard for me to understand, like, arguing with somebody who's already dead. Right. Like wanting to just carry that anger in your heart to your grave. That seems exhausting. Well over a decade later. Yeah. Woo! Like, I feel like that was 17 years later. Woo, you got to get past that. You need need to talk this through with a professional. Um, (laughs) The other thing that made me go, uh uh-oh, was uh, when we were talking about cows still trash-talking Brewer in his personal correspondence, and I was Mm -hmm. like... Dear Lord and Butter, do not let people in a hundred years pull out my texts and start revealing the things I have said about people in moments of anger or venting because for that sure. that's not cool. That's yeah, yeah. That ain't gonna be good for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> um when the uh when that article 
I can't remember if this was the actual title of it, but people were describing as it, it as like who's the bad art friend, and it was yeah. about uh, a a dispute within a, a writing group where uh, like one person had donated an organ, and then there was a lot of judginess. Um, and one of the conversations I had in like my group chat was, "I hope no one ever subpoenas my group chat." <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> because, That'd be real bad. Like, I'm not in there being awful to people, but there for sure been times when I've just been like, so-and-so has been such a jerk, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been fully insulting to people when it's just, like, me and a friend, and you understand that, like, part of the function of your close, trusting friendship is that sometimes you're going to vent ugly things about people that you don't necessarily feel when you are in a more placid, reasonable place. But in that moment, you got to get the anger out and you're going to say yucky things. Yeah. That yeah. happens for real. Yeah. All the time about all kinds of things. People on the street, people on the... That's how you stay nice in real life is that right. you, have, you deal with those emotions in a private, trusting circle. There are just a lot of things that happen in life where I'm like, what you really should be doing here is like writing this in your journal or talking to a friend about it or maybe talking to your therapist or some other, yes. you know, person. Uh, not <laughs> not picking a fight with a stranger on the internet right. about birds. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so easy. Um Yeah. Yeah, I uh the, I will say this. I have perpetual fear because as we have discussed, I feed all of the animals in my neighborhood on my deck. Uh-huh. And I'm always like, uh-oh, am I messing with some stuff? Like I remember when we started to get corvids. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh-oh, like cuz I love them, but I mm-hmm. was also very conscious of the fact that they will sometimes go after other birds. Mm-hmm. But I think I feed them all enough that everybody seems cool. Like, I will look out there sometimes and, like, a crow and two doves and a cardinal and a squirrel are all eating at the same time in pretty close proximity and nobody seems to care. And I'm like, I think everybody has enough food that we don't have to, we're okay. Mm. (laughs) Which I'm probably giving them all, like, heart disease from overfeeding or something. And, you know, that's another way in which I am ruining nature, but. It's never my goal. I just want everybody to be cool. (laughs) Yeah. So, I'm glad I finally got this onto the list because all the ridiculousness was fun to read. Uh, I did kind of struggle with how to end the episode because it mostly just stops because they died. Right. (laughs) There's not really a greater resolution. They died. The sparrows are still here. There are still people who hate them. There's no denouement. Neither of them were ever satisfied. There's no, like, key learning from it because other introductions were still happening after that, uh, both intentional and accidental. And then, yeah, there's a whole, uh, that whole thread about, like, there's still a lot of discussion of of invasive animal or plant species that mirrors the way that some people talk about immigration to the United States of human beings. And there's like all this, uh, you know, continuing interconnection overlap. Um, And we didn't get it into the episode, but like almost a counterpoint, uh, sometimes people will talk about immigration using the terminology of natural disasters. Yeah. And it's all connected. Uh, So yeah, that was like, 
the less the less fun side to read about <laughs> was reading the eugenicists talking about the sparrows. Yeah. So happy Friday. So we're going to leave off with eugenics. Whatever's happening on your weekend, I hope it is going to be great. We will have a Saturday classic tomorrow. We will have something brand new on Monday. You know, if you've seen some great birds out in the world and you take pictures of them, send us bird pictures too. Or, you know, if you have pet birds in your house, birds, lovely. Yes, please. Yeah, if you have animal animal tax you want to pay us, it does not have to be a dog or a cat or a horse or a lizard. I'll take snakes. I will take bugs. I will take, I just like animals. And I yeah. like when people have great relationships with them. Yeah. So, again, happy Friday. See you soon. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.